we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 20th, 2019. Next report, which is akin to what we just talked about with the immigration, deadly disease carrying um, illegal alien invaders crossing the border in record numbers. There are diseases crossing the southern border of the United States as we are seeing with the mainstream media, Google is purposely covering up this fact. Both the MSM and the social media is complicit also in this cover-up. I conducted an internet search using the following term. Immigrant diseases crossing the border. The results were dramatic. Every single listing on the page one of the Google inquiry using that search phrase mocked or denied the fact that these invaders are indeed crossing the border and spreading disease and viruses for which we now have no immunity. Guys, don't use Google for anything. It's it's all data mining and tracking anyway. Use DuckDuckGo or these or other search engines. Xquick is I think another one you can use. Don't there's no reason to use it. You're going to get way more accurate searches with DuckDuckGo anyway if you want unbiased searches. Run Ghostery on your computer too. It's a free program you can run. It's going to block all these perverted ads that want to pop up. You know? And um there, there's a, there, you know, you should be running all types of, of, of programs um, to, to protect yourself. Bitdefender, Total Internet Security is a good one. And they have a VPN, a virtual privacy network that you, for a little bit more, you can run as well. A lot of times you have to disarm it, though, if you want to go into certain things. Because, you know, if you want to log on to certain things, sometimes it won't let you run it. But it is something that, that is an extra layer of protection for you. Uh, okay, so... Let's see here. Below are the results of the cover-up by Google as listed on page one of the search engine engine inquiry. Here's a link here if you want to see that. Uh, today's danger of spreading pandemics at the southern, southern border has been multiplied exponentially simply because of the great increase of numbers at the border. At the Common Sense Show, we've previously reported 20 Congolese immigrants were, were detained because of Ebola. At least three of them tested positive, and they just let them go into the dark of the night. I've told you about that. This occurred in April of this year. And again, just to bolster this, more breaking headlines. Over 1% of Guatemala, Honduras, have crossed the U.S. border in the last eight months. Just the last eight months. 1% of their total population. And this is from DHS statistics. Over 4 million Guatemalans who intend to migrate, or still intend to migrate to the United States. 4 million. That's just one country. Illegal immigration at nine times the rate of 2017, projected to outpace Obama, um, you know, just dwarf it. About 863,000 border apprehensions are expected for 2000. They're not border apprehensions. They're, they're there to usher them into the country. That's why they need more, more of our military down there, more, more border patrol, more homeland security, more TSA air marshals. They're probably going to start getting like, you know, garbage men and meter maids and everybody to, to assist the illegal aliens, bringing them into our country, giving them all of the benefits, make sure that we get this country collapsed as soon as possible. Another report, migrants apprehended at the southern border, top 100,000 for second consecutive month. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Border Patrol agents now contracting illnesses. Yeah, because they're so diseased, these illegal aliens coming over. Now the Border Patrol agents are having to call out because they're catching these diseases. Only 13% of the uh, illegal alien families, fake families, because most of them are fake, 
are attending deportation hearings as well. The fear among federal employees is that immigrants are going to become a kind of suicide bomber, which which is kind of what they are. They will be infected and intermingled among large population groups in the United States. Presently, we are shipping potentially uh, disease-ridden populations to every major metropolitan area in the United States. The illegal immigrants normally spend 24 to 72 hours in detention centers and then are released through the use of tax-supported public and private transportation and are subsequently delivered all over the country. Local officials attempting to find housing for these illegal immigrants are making use of closed schools and abandoned buildings. This places our local communities in direct contact with the immigrant populations, which will increase the rate of their transmissibility of these diseases and viruses. Further, as these illegal immigrants are landed in our international airports, they are having transmissible disease type contract with contact with regular travelers who will become potential carriers uh, to their points of destination. All by design. If you're old enough to remember the movie Outbreak 1995, then you know where this is heading. I'm going to play, play this trailer here for you for Outbreak. I've done this before, but this is a good trailer. he goes to pet store and he, he he scratches the the pet shop owner and then that's this is where he the the ground zero in this particular case of where the uh first um transmission occurs so then he goes on to expose all the other people coming into his pet shop and then it just spreads now i know that some of us have doubts about what we're about to do would be less than human if we didn't because they end up firebombing a whole town at the end of the show with with an incendiary um firebomb that literally just totally vaporizes everybody in this town fate of the nation perhaps the world is in our hands we cannot we dare not refuse this burden <laughs> i'm confident that each of it's your patriotic duty will do his duty god forgive us So they got to contain everybody in this town and kill them all because they don't have any solution for this. And so that's what the, particularly the end part of the show is all about. It's out of there. 260 million Americans will be dead or dying. I'm leaving with the team in an hour. From the heart of a small California town. Damn it, Sam. I want to save these people same as you. To the inner circle of power in Washington. The most optimistic projection for the spread of the virus is this. 24 hours... 36 hours, 48 hours. So they're showing a, a projection of it, and then by 48 hours, the whole, all of America's covered, and then we're all essentially dead. The greatest medical crisis of all time, we can't stop it, begins. Try to remain. And the military are heavily, heavily involved in, in this whole quarantine scenario. Many people are dying and are going to continue to die unless we find this monkey. There will be panic, the likes of which we have never seen. There you are. 
telling you predictive programming from a long time ago i mean 1995 i've played whole clips of that movie before in some of my teachings so the conclusion for this report is this is only the bare tip of the pro proverbial iceberg america stands defenseless against the omnipresent danger the democrats demand that we should be forcibly vaccinated but they refuse to even screen disease carrying immigrants um for which americans have no for diseases for which america have no americans have no immunity for many of these border crossing diseases. Considering the fact that the Border Patrol and ICE arrested 100,000 in April alone, I guarantee you that's way underblown, the problem is going to grow to epidemic proportions. Meanwhile, the MSM constantly minimizes the danger and mocks a concerned public. From Google, in response to a search engine inquiry about the diseased immigrants, um, Oh, and they give a, a link to that. Just it shows you uh, their their bias search. And again, I would not use Google for anything. So we have that. Now this came from a listener a couple weeks ago, John, and uh, it was basically it's entitled Trump. We should have seen this coming. He says, "Hi Scott, since you have been reading out and receiving some weird emails lately, I might as well carry on with this new tradition in a certain degree of jest, but also some seriousness." We so should have seen this coming with this man, meaning Trump. Like the Trump was in deep with big money from day one. He was a loud braggart who proved to be a bad steward of money because you know he had umpteen bankruptcies. And a big reason he had the bankruptcies is, is because he kept molesting, um, you know, anywhere from nine to ten to eleven to thirteen year old girls. And I will get into that in in another teaching. And he had to keep declaring different bankruptcies because he was going bankrupt from having to pay off the parents and probably pay off the court systems and, and pay off whoever he had to do in order to keep this silent. Do, do you realize how blackmailed and how much they have on Trump? He was good buddies with Jeffrey Epstein guys. He was good buddies with them. He lived, Marlago, his Marlago stay in Jeffrey Epstein's estate. If you look at it on a map, they're not even a mile apart. They're like, I think Marlago's like due north of where Epstein lives. And I, I don't think it's like, it's like a stone's throw away. It's not very far. I'll get into that in a, in a teaching if, if I ever can get the time to it. I've, I've I had to uh, edit 77 pages on that doc alone. It took me all a Saturday. I, mean, I haven't been able to get to it yet. Anyway, um, few people I know who messed up and went bankrupt never truly recover but this dude keeps pop, popping back up over and over just never made sense to me i knew someone had to be helping him back in and it was the synagogue of satan kabbalistic jews that said we're going to require a, a favor from you down the row there down the road there's a there's a show called the brotherhood of the bell and um i actually had that a long time ago i don't know what happened it was vhs and it was about secret societies and it was about like this guy that went in and um he was in this fraternity in college and it was a lot like skull and bones but in this case it was called the brotherhood of the bell and um he got initiated and they basically told him they said listen and, and trump's a high level freemason as well and a kabbalist i mean he's he's in the club guys i mean before i didn't think he was in, he's in the club he's even said he's a freemason i mean there's just so much proof on these things anyway um in the brotherhood of the bell from what i can remember because it's been a long time since i watched it he 
once he got initiated and he was getting out of college, they basically said, listen, you're going to have the good life. You're going to have, you know, the wife you want. You're going to have all these sweet business contracts. Everything you're going to touch is going to turn to gold, like the Midas touch kind of. Um, but just don't remember that you're basically beholden to us. And when we come to you, um, we've done a lot for you. And you're going to do whatever we tell you to do unquestioningly. Uh, or we could take everything you've got away and then some. And that's what the whole show was about. Um, when you're involved in secret societies like this, um, how you have to pay the piper. And Trump's being, you know, he's just being a good puppet on a string at this point and doing what his handlers are telling him to do, carrying out this. And he will be the fall guy. I've, I've, um, I've heard a lot of different scenarios, but... Uh, He's going to be the, the fall guy and the one they blame it all on. Okay, so I'm going back to what he's saying here. Uh, let's see. It never made sense to me. I knew someone had to be helping him back in and out, of course, and you later revealed who it was, Satan Inc. Yeah. With women, he was, he pre, he was and pretty much is the Ted Nugent, the hard rock singer, the Motor City Madman, circa... 1968 to 1985 but in a suit so in other words ted nugent was a womanizer and a big time I'm sure he still probably is and uh that's the one alex jones interviews all the time and um he's ted nugent in a suit okay because these rock star guys are I, mean, I can't even say what they do i've read enough accounts where i mean it is bad 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 what they even do with women during concerts, I mean, it's it's bad. He's basically comparing him to Ted Nugent, which I I couldn't you know disagree with at all. I think in Trump's head, there's a permanent loop of Ted Nugent's most vile lyrics playing, and he believes every woman is desirous of him because he's so full of pride. The dude has always been unable to accept his baldness, so as a slicked down comb over wasn't good enough for him, he designed and developed the now world famous comb over forward around swishy toupee. That toupee is as fake as a $3 bill. I've seen so many pictures of it, like when he's out in like uh, public or whatever and it's windy, it's blowing sideways and you can just you see it's, it's you know, it's, it's fake, guys. It's totally fake. Um, but it's just like everything else around Trump, you know, where he said, you know, I'll never fail you. I, all this. He's a total liar. And everything about his life is pretty much kind of a lie. Most people, I no considered him a bad joke but it's like his tv show which i can't recall ever watching before everyone jumped on the trump train the whistle had blown several times showing he gave like 83 to 93 percent of his political donations to democrats each year and a small remaining percentage to republicans um i was thinking at that time he was obviously a lifelong democrat which is that's his lifestyle i mean He's always lived under democratic principles. Um, and I mean the worst aspects of it. People were saying he had gotten sick of them and now he wanted to restore America. Videos were shown of him talking about things decades ago that made him sound conservative. But his lifestyle at the same period of time was that of a total womanizer. I mean, and a total adulterer, you know, where he cheated on wife after wife and upgraded whenever they didn't start looking exactly the right way and these types of things. Again, with the Ted Nugent reference, Trump was a lot like Nugent in the way that Nugent talks about guns and freedom. But many people pointed out 
that once those dramatic things are spoken about and people were super pumped and ready to vote for him, but no one bothered to listen to everything else that came out of his mouth previously that showed the guy to be a closer, much closer to a Democrat. Again, Trump uttered great sayings to appeal to the conservatives and watchmen, but his donation record showed a different man with a diametrically opposed ideology. In the end, people saw what they wanted to see, and they still are. Trump is the great reflection of the historical success of their little G-God, America. Trump, the American dream to own a stretched Cadillac limo, have millions of dollars, and update your wife when the older model gets boring, plus test drive as many other models as you want, whenever you want, without your wife leaving you because she needs you more than you need her. Trump, this lover of his own self, a proud boaster, heady, high-minded, a lover of pleasure, who has shown no interest in God up until the election time. Suddenly, after years of being a man-whore, he's converted in the presence of Paula White? The apostate? He even said he didn't think he had, had anything to ask forgiveness for because they came to him and they said, have you ever asked God to forgive you for anything? He's like, no, I, don't, I can't ever recall me doing that. I mean, this is how demonically possessed this guy is and so there's no conversation that's ever happened there between him and god evidently his womanizing was legendary the dude represented what america has become not america the great he represented the bad america the one where men are not the husband of one wife the one that doesn't stand woman when a woman walks in the room the one that doesn't read its bible and believe every word the one that sold the family farm for the condo at malibu and that the 1980s Porsche Turbo with the whale tail rear, rear wing. <laughs> they sold the family farm for the condo at Malibu in, in the 1980s Porsche with the rear whale tail wing. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's dating them. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember. He represents the every woman is available regardless of age or marital status, America. The America that rarely exports missionaries anymore, but instead has slowly corrupted the world with experts of pornography, starting with magazines, now on to video, DVD, and now the internet. That has corrupted the world with Hollywood and decades of God-hating music from groups who should have never been promoted in a God-fearing nation. He represents the covetous America, the flashy America, the America that's lost its soul and moral compass, but still harps on about American exceptionalism. The America that tells other nations that they must allow sodomite marriages or remove laws that make it a crime to sodomize or indulge in unnatural affection. Trump is that generic businessman extra in a Motley crew poison or rat video. These are all um, hard rock groups from the 80s. I saw personally i saw poison and rat in concert or in person in concert okay so i was no i was no angel this is before i was saved but i'm very very familiar with these rock groups he's the dude in a penguin suit in a stretch limo acting like ted dibiase now we're gonna get to ted dibiase in a second he's a he's a former pro wrestler i think he just died recently um the one having his way with young women who have left their christian home and rejected their parents looking for a big break in a big city thinking that that's their meal ticket he's the corrupter the user he really is second timothy 3 verses 1 through 7 and i i went ahead and posted those verses um for this know that in the last days perilous times shall come that's where we're at everyone we're we're there we're here so what is the earmark of the time that we're living in for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, meaning you can't control yourself, 
fierce despisers of those that are good. I mean, isn't that what the left is all about? They hate anything that's good, but they love everything that's wicked and evil. Traitors, which Trump, you couldn't exhibit more of a traitor than Trump because he's saying one thing, but the reality is he's, he's doing, he's stabbing us all in the back to a level and degree that we've never known from a president. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. Divers means many, lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and this is what's so dangerous about these people that are still putting their trust in Trump and Trump we trust and all this garbage and the Q movement is that they're ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're in the strong delusion to a certain extent, but they're not seeing it. So it's not a good place to be. This is why we always want to pray for fear of God because the fear of God leads the, is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. We want real wisdom, real understanding, and, and, and real knowledge right now more than ever. We don't want to be deceived or led away. And then it goes on to say, as now Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So this is the days and times we, we are in. Now I'm going back to his, his letter. He says, need I go on? Even those of us on the other side of the world, and I'm pretty sure he lives in Australia, we all prayed because we knew Hillary was a devil. <laughs> you know, I was right there too. I mean, you know, we knew her history. We'd seen her hate. We knew she's a witch. And we knew she would be Barry Sotoro on meth. <laughs> which meaning Obama on meth. We knew it just couldn't happen. We, we knew it just couldn't be allowed to happen. We knew the remnant, the true God-fearing Americans could still stand up and be heard. We had our guns taken in a very dubious false events and we know what it's like to be unable to defend ourselves because see they've had their guns taken away in australia when pretty much in new zealand as well that even if we had a gun if we defended ourselves in our own homes we would go to prison for life we knew our american brothers and sisters are the last place they need are the last place they need to take down and we need those guns gone before that can happen and they need those guns gone before that can happen meaning disarming the american populace so we prayed for a reprieve, a chance to allow breathing space to get things back on track. Sadly, now I think uh, we have been taken in by an actor of the highest skill level, meaning Trump. We forgot or ignored his past in order to feel like we had stopped the wrecking ball called Hillary or Hillbillary um, or Killery. There's so many nicknames for her. But we got deceived and the truth is now undeniable. The synagogue of Satan Jews want to destroy the West. They want to take away our security and our standard of living. They want us to beg for an end to all of this so that they can eventually reveal the man of sin as their awaited savior who will supposedly fix everything. We never know who the Antichrist is going to be and there's been so much speculation on that over the years that it's not worth discussing. But boy oh boy, does it feel like the number of closed eyes right now plus plus the coming peace plan, we are certainly on the cusp of something and I have a strong feeling that it's not going to be good. And this is why I got to get this teaching out on Kushner and the peace plan soon because, I mean, we're right on the cusp of that. And this stuff goes sideways in the Middle East with Iran and I don't know, that's probably, that might push back the timetable some 
because I really have always felt like the peace plan would be best presented after World War III. Because they're going to be desperate for peace. The world's going to be desperate for peace after World War III. When people like Carl Gallup's of P.P. Simmons Ministry, who used to put out good stuff, now regularly sends out emails about how great a job Trump is doing and what a great man he is, you, which is just common. I mean, I can't even, I can't listen to talk radio anymore. I can't listen to Sean Hannity. None of them. Limbaugh, um, Levin, the Christian radio, they're all praising Trump. Because they're still drinking the Kool-Aid. They're not seeing that, that he is on Team Satan. They're not seeing what he's doing. They refuse to see it. Um, you really have to say, how can a preacher who has done so much good be so blind? Stay strong, my brother. Your work is very important and the night is coming. So your efforts will help creating, educate, and save the last few before the ark door closes. My response I said, John, wow, great points. And to be honest, I had not put that all together. Um, but it is yet one more aspect of the corruption and moral decline Trump fully embodies. I like the Ted DiBiase reference. Now, Ted, Di Ted DiBiase was a, um, a pro wrestler in the, I think, uh, probably late 80s, early 90s, around there. And um, see, when I went to chiropractic college at Life in... Um, Oh, I graduated in 93. I lived in a building, okay, that had all kind of pro wrestlers. I mean, we had Sid Vicious lived in my building and his manager, the colonel, lived there. And uh, a guy named Johnny B. Bad and, and another one named Eric Watts, who was actually my patient in clinic. Uh, there's a guy named, uh, I think, Sinbad was in there. And there was other ones. There was other ones in there. And I was... See, Atlanta is a is been a hub for pro wrestling because I don't know it's like the WCW or whatever. I mean, Lex Luger, who was another big one then, and Sting, who was another big one then, had a gym that I could walk to. I could walk right out the back of my apartment complex and go to that gym. I also went to another gym called Coffee's Gym in the earlier part, and we had tons of pro wrestlers there. So I was around pro wrestling a lot, okay? I've never really been that into pro wrestling, even when, though I was unsaved and all this stuff, but I was around it a lot. I mean, I had patients that were, you know, Eric Watts. I might have had another patient, too. Anyway, um, Ted DiBiase was one of those guys at the time. He was he was billed as the million-dollar man, and he was the he was always coming out of this money, buy anything he wanted, pay anybody off. And he's so, it's just so much like the Trump thing. Um, and I said, here is Ted DiBiase's theme song and it's money, 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 money is basically what this theme song is. It makes a good, it makes sense that good old Trump was active in pro the pro wrestling scene. And I don't know if you know that, but Trump is, ex has been extremely active in the pro wrestling scene. And I mean, very active in the last 10 years. Okay. Where he bought one of the leagues, I think. And then he came in and he was interacting with, with. Uh, that McMahon guy, the other guy, and they would have all of this theater set up. It was all lies. It was all theaters. It was all acting, which is all pro wrestling's ever been. It's all lies. It's not real. But this is the Donald Trump entrance theme song, Money, Money, Money. What a perfect venue for the sociopathic narcissist. And this is Donald Trump opens, I think it's WWE Raw. It was one of the wrestling events. This is from 62209. And he opens this. And it just shows, I mean, I, I'm not even going to play this stuff. It's just garbage. It's just, but he, he fits in perfect there.
He fits in 100% perfect in this whole scene. And I said, I mean, this garbage is beyond comprehension. Now, I give you the links if you want to watch this stuff, but I'm not going to play them. This took place in 2011, and I'm, I know he did it at least up until 2013 and probably beyond that. Um, and now he is the president. He was doing all this pro-wrestling fake lie garbage stuff that he was heavily invested in at least up till 2013. And this, the last link I give is called The Battle of the Billionaires takes place at WrestleMania 23 with Vince McMahon. And it's this big fake thing, but they, but Trump ends up shaving his head in the middle of the ring. It's so stupid and cheesy. He really did shave his head though, I got to admit. It was, it was something else, quite the spectacle. All I can say is Vince McMahon must have really been desperate for money is all I can think. Okay, so then after my response, he emailed me back, and this is just more of a short thing. And he said, I've just been thinking about it more and more lately, praying about everything, so then it just all fell into place yesterday. Trump is like this pop culture icon that has been around a long time. It's weird that everybody knows him. He's had his face in the public eye for perhaps four decades with no shame when he has failed. Buildings he has bought or built have sometimes had his name plastered all over them as a look-at-me self-promotion thing. Trump equals money, sports, excess, rock star attitude, promiscuous women, the list goes on and on. There are probably a lot of people who think that Jimmy Carter era finally ended the once great America, and since then this cockroach Trump has been partying his way through four decades of decadence living off the back of this dying republic. That's no different from a Democrat and it's actually how many have become, how many people will have made it, uh, will be made to quickly push their faith aside in order to keep a job or continue to receive government benefits. Once the narcissistic O fully reveals his left-wing agenda, we will not, will we not see persecution like never before? Yeah, that's coming. His whole life has been whoredom and anti-God, so when will the true Donald J. Trump be revealed? The love of money is the root of all evil, and the man's theme song is money, 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 money. Yeah, he's literally got a theme song for the like that, just like Ted DiBiase, the other guy. So, here's another one. This is uh, this just came out. Donald Trump loves golf. Oh, it's called Commander in Cheat. This is the name of a new book that just came out regarding him. A referenced new book, okay? It's called Commander-in-Cheat, How Golf Exposes and Reveals Trump's True Nature. Donald Trump loves golf. He loves to play it, buy it, build it, operate it. He owns 14 courses around the world and runs another five. He got one, I, I stumbled onto the thing by accident. It was just one day when I just took a tiny bit of time to like just look around. It was this Lake Norman area, not too far away from where I live. And I literally stumbled on to one of his golf courses by accident. And I mean, yeah, it was like, whoa. I, I, I drove by, I was in this really high-end neighborhood that's off this Lake Norman area, which is kind of near where I live. And um, remember just the the entrance was very like ornate and like, like black onyx and gold and just really, really high-end type of, of look to it. Anyway, that must be one of the golf courses he owns all of which he insists are the best on the planet. He also claims he's a three handicap, almost never loses, and has won an astonishing 18 club championships. How much of all this is true? Almost none of it. Acclaimed sports writer Rick Riley reveals 
in his unsparing look at Trump and the world of golf. So let's go ahead and listen to that now. Dr. Lance Dotis, a Harvard Medical School professor of psychiatry, is one of the co-authors of the bestseller, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. Professor Dotis has appeared on this program discussing that book. And the Now, I understand you could say, well, he's a leftist viewpoint. You can't trust a thing he said. Well, I think he's, this is pretty well known uh, for anybody that's actually around this guy of, of Trump's true nature. So I'm not really looking at it that way. Um they're basically just citing facts here, and, and the guy's got a whole book that does this. ...personality disorder, and in Rick Riley's... He's got narcissistic personality disorder. That's what Trump has. I mean, he's... Come on. Can any of us argue that he's, a bare minimum, a classic, high-level narcissist? I mean, come on. ...selling new book, Commander-in-Cheat, How Golf Explains Trump. Professor Dotus explains why Donald Trump cheats at golf. Because he has to. He needs to be the best at everything. He can't stand not winning, not being the best. It had to have started very early in his development. To him, not being the best is like fingernails on the blackboard to you. He can't live with it. He exaggerates his golf scores and his handicap for the same reason he exaggerates everything. He has to. He exhibits all the traits of a narcissistic personality disorder. People with this disorder have no conscience about it. He has no sense of morality about things. He lacks empathy towards others. He's a very ill man. He doesn't get that other people have rights and feelings. Other people just don't matter to him. Joining us now is Rick Riley, New York Times best-selling author of Commander-in-Cheat, How Golf Explains Trump. Rick, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Really okay, now you could say, well, that's not true. Well, yeah, there's there's certain altruistic things that he's done, and, and, and the, but, but it's all self-serving. It's not who he really is. Look at how he treats women. Look at when, when he was off camera, what he said to Billy Bush, I mean, about women. He's a horrible, horrible person. That is how he views women as objects that you know once one starts to look a little rough around the edges in his mind he just upgrades to a better version he's already done that this is he's on his third wife i mean he has no he's he's a carnal carnal person i mean look at what i mean his self-avowal what he eats i mean from what i heard it's like kentucky fried chicken fast food diet coke everything he can do to feed his carnality he has no real self-control I mean, there's just a lot of different aspects about him that we're that we're not being told. Um, if you're listening to like the conservative um, viewpoints on him, appreciate you being here. Uh, and I just wanted to give the audience a a quick taste of the kind of cheating Donald Trump engages in uh, when he's out there in the golf course. Okay. It's. Uh... It's incredible. I mean, he kicks the ball so much that the caddies call him Pele. Uh, he'll kick your ball in the bunker. He's been known to fake a bunker shot as though he was actually hitting a ball, but the ball is in his right hand. And then he reaches in the hole and pretends he holds it. He's been known, if he's on your team, for to he'll kick your ball into a better position. And a lot of guys are like, what are you doing? I can't do it. And they put it back. Some guys, when they're on his team and he cheats the whole way around, win and they go out to the parking lot and give the money back. I mean, I just, Lawrence, I can't tell you how strange this is in the world of golf 
for a guy to, it'd be like if you walked in the Sistine Chapel, set your lazy boy down, smoked a cigar, and did your laundry. It's just, we don't do this in golf, and there's no reason for him to, to be such a cheater in golf. He's over 70 years old. He's about a 10 handicap. That's pretty good. There's no reason he's got to lie and say he's a three. There's no reason he's got to say, I've won 20 club championships when I can't prove that he's won any. He's won club championships that he didn't even... He's a pathological liar, which would most likely he'd be a, uh, like a psychopathic or sociopathic narcissist. Psychopaths are born that way. Sociopaths are made. Okay, so I don't know if this came from his purely from his upbringing or whether he was born that way. But at bare minimum, he's, he's, psychopaths and sociopaths don't have consciences. A narcissist, just a pure narcissist, can have somewhat of a conscience. But typically, if you're a sociopath or a psychopath, you don't have any real conscience. You can have the facade of a conscience, but it's not real. And it, it appears as though, uh, I don't know, I mean, he's, he's probably a sociopathic narcissist due to his upbringing. And I, I'll explain that in a second in. Sometimes he wasn't even in the same state. Sometimes he walks into a clubhouse, sees the other guy's name on the wall, and goes, oh, I beat that guy all the time. Make me the club champion for that year. And they're like, what? <laughs> they got to pull this guy's name down and put his name up. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know about politics. I'm just a sports writer, but I've been covering golf for 40 years. Yeah, see, he's not writing this because he's some embittered leftist. He's He's, he's writing about this from a sports standpoint, and this is well known if you know Donald Trump. Do this. You don't drive your cart on greens. You don't, you don't cheat your friends. It's a game where it's the easiest game to cheat at because you're 200 yards over there, Lawrence, and I'm 200 yards yeah. over here, and I trust you're not going to throw it out of the woods, and you <laughs> trust me that I'm not going to pick it out of the water. And yet... There's a, a whole group of guys who play with him, and one time he hits it in the water, they see the splash, but Trump's always 200 yards ahead in his super go-kart, and by the time they get to the fairway, it's back, it's back on the fairway, it's not in the pond anymore. And they said, Donald, what the hell, we're playing a money game. And he goes, it must have been the tide. <laughs> the tide. Well, I mean, you know, Rick, you've done a brilliant... The, the, tide, the tide of the lake brought the ball back on the green. <laughs> he, he's such a liar and cheat that this is just standard fare whenever he plays golf. job in this book of explaining this to people like me who know nothing about <laughs> golf and have never cared about golf. And you, you also did a great job of conveying the culture of golf and the honor of golf and what it, yeah. the way it's supposed to be. You did that through your father, who I feel like I know now. Uh, and so it's, it's really a, a kind of a beautiful book uh, that is also very, very funny when it comes to the details of what Donald Trump does. Uh, talk for a minute about... And, and he goes on to explain how other presidents had a big history of playing i don't you know listen i don't i think this guy's being honest okay my, that's my impression of him uh you know it's uh it's evidently very very well known that um you know he is this way 100 percent. and again this relates to this report i just saw this week the banishment of donald trump's older brother it's just more stuff comes out every single day about this guy. And 
It says Donald Trump was raised to win, even if it meant running roughshod over all opposition, including his own brother. And here's a family picture of, I guess his mom and dad aren't in it, but it's his sisters and his two other brothers. He's got, looks like two sisters and two other brothers, at least at the time of this picture. And uh, his older brother's here next to him. And it says, watching A&E's The Trump Dynasty, I was surprised to learn that the president had a brother, eight years older, who had been designated the heir to the family business. Frederick Trump, Trump Jr. did not have the killer instinct, winner all instinct though, that his father demanded from his sons. So Donald supplanted him. What is unusual about the story is the downright cruelty with which he was treated by his family, meaning the older brother. Instead of acknowledging he was just not ruthless enough and given a position of honor and love, he was virtually driven out of the family. This is the kind of family Trump comes from, okay? There are only two kinds of people, winners and losers, and Fred Jr. was a loser. He began a new career as an airline pilot. I mean, this, he doesn't sound like a loser to me, but the wounds inflicted by his own family drove him to drink. When he returned to his family home, they gave him menial jobs. He died prematurely of alcoholism at the age of 43 in 1981. He only lived to be 43. He had married and had two children before divorcing. When Fred Trump Sr. died in 1999, Fred's family was not even in the will. When they sued, the Trump family cut off health insurance on which they depended for the care of the, their gravely sick child. That's the, how they treated their own family because he didn't have the killer attitude that was expected that, you know, Donald Trump evidently had. I mean, this is just some sick stuff. I mean, <laughs> it says we need to recognize that he is the typical New York hustler, wheeler, dealer family whose life is predicated on the pursuit of sex, money, fame, and power. Typically of, of many of these families, children have to earn their parents' love by overachieving. Whatever reasons, the fact is, Trump is all about glitz, bluff, and bullying. For example, he called the editor of Forbes 400, the, the Forbes 400 richest people of America, pretending to be John Barron. So Trump was pretending to be this guy named John Barron, who was the head of finance at the Trump Organization. He convinced the editor of this Forbes 400, richest people in America, that Trump was worth a lot more than he was. Trump was then later able to literally take this to the bank. His empire was built on bank loans and tax breaks. He went belly up in the 1990s, but the bankers spared him because they saw a use for him down the road. The, Roth, the Rothschilds and the bankers that got him out of his bankruptcy saw a use for him down the road. How right they were. There's more. Trump is a highly compromised character, not because of things the Democrats go after, but because of things they don't, which indicates the whole thing is a charade. Trump rode Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express and is being blackmailed by Mossad. See, he wrote it. He wrote it just like Bill Clinton wrote it. Marlago was right there. Him and Jeffrey Epstein were buddies. He rode the Lolita Express to Jeffrey Epstein's island where they would rape girls. And now he's being blackmailed by Mossad, the highest level military intelligence, you know, covert for Israel. 
but there's even more ever wonder how his daughter ivanka and her husband jared kushner got to be white house advisors and impose a satanic shabad lubavitch kabbalistic agenda on u.s foreign policy trump was never shy about inferring an incestuous relationship with ivanka when she was a teenager he basically he's basically in their thrall the following is sourced here. Many of Trump's disturbing comments made toward his eldest daughter, who's now married to Jared, Ivanka, his favorite child. When appearing on Wendy Williams' show with Ivanka once, host Wendy asked about his favorite daughter, the favorite daughter, father-daughter pastimes. Now, th this is beyond belief, but this is host Wendy Williams on the Wendy Williams show. He, he appeared there with Ivanka. This is so sickening. Uh, Wendy Williams asked about their favorite daughter, father pastimes. The president, the now president Trump replied, I was going to say sex, but I can, I can relate to golf and real estate. So in other words, he said he was, I was going to say sex about having sex with Ivanka, his daughter. Most fathers would not want to discuss their daughter's nude photo shoots, whether hypothetical or otherwise. However, Trump is apparently not most fathers. During an interview on The View, Trump once made uncomfortable, everyone uncomfortable, and he said, Ivanka po posing for Playboy would be really disappointing. Not really. But, I would, but it would depend on what was inside the magazine. I don't think Ivanka would do a nude shoot inside the magazine, although she does have a very nice figure. I've said that if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. End of quote. I've heard that quote before. I've seen that. That's up there. Well, you can go up and just keyword search this stuff on YouTube. You'll find these videos. Most women feel as though they can relax around their fathers and they won't have to face the same objecti objectification they must deal with in the world. However, that is not the case with Trump and Ivanka. On Howard Stern's show back in 2003, Trump said, you know who's got who's one of the greatest beauties in the world, according to everybody, and I helped create her, Ivanka, my daughter. She's six foot tall. She's got the best body, end of quote. Who says this kind of stuff about their own daughter? Unless you are one sick, twisted, demon-possessed, satanic vessel of Satan. This is beyond nasty and disturbing and then this is some kind of back and forth between howard stern and trump that says stern says ivanka looks more voluptuous he's asking trump a question breast implants this is about his own daughter howard stern who is a total pig from the pit of hell the talk show okay guy trump says she's always been voluptuous so he's not offended he just says she's always been voluptuous stern says can i say a uh, it's it's a very derogatory term and can i say a piece of ass i'll just say that that's what trump's asking or, or stern is asking trump and trump says yeah what, what, what is this? This is so sick and twisted and evil. I can't even comprehend it. I'm getting ahead of myself because I've got like a whole study on this. But, I mean, 
Apparently, Trump's fascination with Ivanka started well before she was an adult. Washington Post columnist Richard Cohen reported that when Ivanka was just 13 years old, her father asked, is it wrong to be more sexually... This is what Trump asked. Is it wrong to be more sexually attracted to your own daughter than your wife? The Post reportedly removed this quote from the column before it was published. He can't keep his mouth shut. He really can't. He's that evil, guys. He's that evil. And here's this sickening picture of Trump sitting on top of two, and I'm not, I've said this before, two parrots, stone parrots, mating. Okay? It's a picture, real picture. Several of them. And he's sitting on top of these two stone parrots, parrots mating. And Ivanka probably about at the age of 13 is sitting on his lap with this like some kind of look like that a a very very seductive seductive look looking at her dad she's got a mini skirt on and a slinky top with butterflies which is indicative of the um butterfly programming that the mk ultra mind control butterfly programming I mean, it's so creepy, I can't even, it defies the imagination how creepy all of this is. And there's so much more. This is just, we're just a little bit about Trump. This is how sick and twisted and evil this guy is. Okay, since I'm on, since I'm on the subject, I'm just going to, I'm going to finish this out. Publicly, Trump has made some disturbing incestuous comments about his own daughters at one time discussing the potential breast size of his then infant daughter tiffany and also claiming that he would be dating his daughter ivanka had he not been her father and again these are all referenced this is all stuff he said you can search for it online and see him saying it for yourself normally when you hear somebody talking about legs and breasts it's not a parent talking about their infant daughter trump thinks that this way this is the way because this is what's always on his mind regardless of age and regardless of relation almost every time he publicly talks of ivanka he cannot help but compliment her body one cannot rule out the possibility that ivanka is the victim of sexual abuse and mind control well i would almost guarantee that although there is nothing directly suggesting this please come on the cia's mk ultra mind control program is alleged to have prostituted to children sometimes with the help of the children's own parents to politicians and persons of power trump's posed photo with the then 15 year old ivanka where she is wearing a short skirt slinky top without a bra whilst perched atop two copulating birds um doesn't help trump's avoidance of incest suspicion or mk ultra abuse interestingly ivanka's slinky top is covered with butterflies symbolic of a beta kitten programming ivanka's personal contact information was found in epstein's black book oh wow a recent a video recently surfaced showing donald trump telling a preteen girl that he would be dating her in 10 years just one more piece of evidence that trump is a sexual predator every single one of these things are referenced so you know i'll give you the links for this report if you want to see it in 2003 trump went on the howard stern show and talked about how hot paris hilton was when she was 12 he said quote i've known paris hilton from the time she was 12 her parents are friends of mine and the first time i saw her 
she walked into the room and I said, who in the H-E-L-L is that? Well, at 12, I wasn't interested. <laughs> of course, yeah, right. Trump said, I've never been into that. But she was beautiful. Yeah, right. Trump told Stern in the same interview that he had watched Hilton's sex tape. Big surprise there. What we basically have here is the American version of the Sim Jimmy Savile in Donald Trump. He's not bad. Now, I'm not even talking about all the girls that he raped and he had to pay off the parents. I mean, I'm, I'm going to save that for another video, okay? Or his absolute buddy-buddy relationship with Epstein, which can be easily proven, okay? This article gets into that. I'm going to go ahead and post a link for this um, because I did, I did touch on this, but... Um, I'm going to post a link for this in the uh, in the report, okay? And it's entitled, Mossad Blackmail, Israel, Israel has Trump um, right where they want him. And so it's part of that. So I'm going, to, I'm going to post that right now. So continuing, another listener wrote me, and I, again, this is, uh, this is all uh, part of an upcoming study, but I'll just touch on it now. Uh, Julie, listener, long-time listener, wrote me, she said, I read this comment on Facebook. Now, this is all true and so much more, okay? I'm talking pictures the whole nine yards. They're, there's, they're, they've been very open about this. They've been had whole magazines come in and do photo shoots of, of the Trump Tower penthouse. And she said, did you know that Trump has Apollo, the god Apollo, sketched across the ceiling of his apartment with two Masonic pillars, well, he's a high-level Freemason, and a statue of Zeus, the Noahide law is based on the same principle as the phoenix. God is both male and female, but one body, two heads. Just like a phoenix, a bit complicating. Just seeing the video, a mix-up of all sorts of pagan, Babylonian, religious nonsense. I never had thought prophecy would unfold this way. The murals at the Denver airport show Christianity put to sleep by a young girl in a coffin, holding a cross, holding a cross on her chest. So it was their plan all along, fulfilling Bible prophecy. Speaking of this, are you familiar with the Noahide laws? That's going to be a big deal, I think, and very bad for Christians. Yeah, well, let's look at that right now, because I've been meaning to cover this for a long time. And this is the Noahide laws of the Antichrist and the Hebrew Roots Movement, a mini-documentary. So you think that there could be some union between all the religions as Absolutely. part of this? So this is a guy from the Jewish Sanhedrin right now uh, at a temp temple sacrifice dedication service. And, and let's just see, see what he had to say again there. So you think that there could be some union between all the religions as Absolutely. part of this? We already have union, unity, but everybody's afraid from the terrorists. So this is our job to unify everybody to worship the only true living God. Uh, Satan. Because that's who they're going to, that's who the third temple is going to be set up to, you know, the Antichrist. And they're going to unite everybody in a one world religion. And the Jewish Sanhedrin and Judaism in general and the Shabbat Lubavitch, that's what their goal is going to be. But it's going to be, you know, um, you know their, their version and their take on it. It's not going to be the God of the Bible. It will be the Antichrist. The third temple with all the nations, all the nations that will worship God. Well, I'll ask in English. Do you believe? Here's an or ultra-Orthodox of the Banad Brock, some guy, and they're asking him. That the Gentiles, the Goyim, will one day... The Gentiles are referred to as Goyim in, by the, uh, a lot of the uh, Hebrews, he Israelites. 
from the slaves of the Jews. So are are the are the um, goyim the Gentiles going to become slaves of the Jews eventually? And then he says, I believe it's part of the Torah. It's, it's gonna it's part of the Torah. Okay. Not a slave like a slave today. The, we're like a, we're gonna beat them and then they get, become a slave. They're gonna see how much the Torah it's meaningful. Uh -huh. And they don't want the Jewish person to uh, work. So he's saying we help you in everything, and you learn Torah. So, in other words, we're going to learn it, but see, it's not going to be really learning the Torah, the Torah. It's going to be learning like the Talmud and the Kabbalah, which always override. Anytime you have a cult, it's always the extra biblical books that always take dominance and precedence, and all of their extra biblical writings. Okay. Gonna be. It's gonna be a, a big, big world peace. Okay. World peace. And when is this going to happen? The peace under the Antichrist. When he, when, and again, this whole thing with Jared Kushner, he's just about getting ready to bring in the, the whole peace thing, the whole Middle East peace plan that he's drafting and crafting. And I'm hearing June is the predicted date. Okay, so we're 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 getting near the end of May. I gotta, I gotta try to get on this study. Uh, but um, granted, there, it's going to come after World War Three, I believe. That false peace. And then we're going to be into the tribulation period at that point. It's not, it's not the show today. Mashiach is going to come today. So the Messiah has to come. Of course. Yeah, okay. and that's the Antichrist. That's who they're waiting for, the Antichrist, the false prophet. But that's who they're going to call Messiah. No, for it to happen, yeah. the Messiah has to happen. Yeah. You have to explain that. Ah. Is, the Jew, is the Messiah waiting for Christians and uh, Jews? Uh, I... Is the Jewish Messiah waiting for Christians and Jews to come together? That's what the article posts. So this is a guy, another religious Jew, uh, Asif, traditional religious. Um, anyway, they're interviewing him. Okay, sorry, I've got to I've got to stop this because I my computer has glitches if I keep running these YouTube videos over. Okay, so this is all in uh, Hebrew. They're doing this interview, and it says, "Do you believe that the Gentiles will be our slaves one day?" And he's sitting there smiling. He says, yes, it's written in the Torah. Everything that is written in the Torah, I believe. What is written? It is written specifically that the Gentiles will be our slaves. Yes, it is written the Messiah will come. It says the Messiah will come. I don't remember the exact verse. It is written that after the Messiah comes, there will be a large war. And in the end, the Gentiles will be slaves to the Jews for a period of time. And after that, the world will go back to the ancient ways. So this is what they they believe, and the multiple different sects of Judaism are expecting this and believe it. It's not just one sect, it's multiple. No hide law timeline, unfolding of the Jewish one world government. Paul said that Hagar and Ishmael represent those who were born under a covenant at Mount Sinai. And he said, just as then it is now, just as Hagar and Ishmael mocked and here's, here's Trump with the with like ugh, looks like ten different Shabbat Lubavitch, uh, Sabatine Kabbalists, high level, basically Luciferians right around his desk, and he's signing this big piece of legislation. And see, that's the sect of Judaism that Jared Kushner is in, and Ivanka converted to, and Trump's a Kabbalist, and they're all Kabbalists, and that is the most wicked, evil sect of Judaism. Sarah and Isaac, and remember, Abraham had to put them out. 
so it is now with the Jews and those who were born or those who are under the covenant of Mount Sinai. So the Noahide laws, there is a report here says is a universal code for peace and unity. Yeah. The false peace and unity of the one world government under Antichrist, where, you know, if you don't convert to it, you get beheaded. That's what it represents. They persecute and hate those who believe in Jesus Christ and are free born. And here's, the, here's the coin that, they, that Israel has released with Trump on the back and Cyrus and uh, to fulfill 70 years. So they're, they're viewing Trump as the next Cyrus. Now I'm going to do more on this, but they're touching on it in this video. And then on the, on the, on the other side is a picture of the rebuilt temple. And this is the temple coin that they're, that they have released, uh, to raise money to build the third temple. And Trump is Trump and Cyrus are on one side. And because Cyrus helped the Jews back in the day, rebuild the temple and they're viewing Trump as the same thing. See back then though, that was a godly thing because the, um, rebuilding the temple was a good thing back before Jesus Christ came. But once Jesus Christ came, he, he did away with the temple sacrifices. He's, he, he was, when he said it was finished, that was the last sacrifice that ever needed to be done. We didn't need to use the, the, the blood of bulls and goats anymore in order to obtain sacrifice for sin. But see, they want to go back to that because Jesus, they rejected their savior. It's not good enough. So they want to reinstitute temple sacrifice and temple worship under the antichrist and, and start re-sacrificing animals again and trump is going to be the one they believe will be the one that makes all that happen and gets the third temple rebuilt and with jared kushner's peace plan which will probably have a whole lot to do with rebuilding the third temple they're giving trump that credit and they're comparing him to um cyrus king king cyrus so this is the temple coin here's a picture of it you can see, and, and uh, a lot of Christians are buying these because they think they're doing some wonderful thing wanting to rebuild the third temple when it's literally the third temple that the Antichrist is going to come into and they're, and they're building it essentially for the Antichrist. So, you know, if you got any of these coins, I'd get rid of them. And so, as it was in Jesus' day, as it was in Peter and John's preaching, and as it was in the days of Paul, so it is now. So the Sanhedrin calls on President Trump to uphold the seven Noahide laws. Uh, this was from January 26, 2017. This is right out in the open. The United Nations, United the, the United Nations with seven Noahide laws. Diplomats, delegates, emissaries gather at the UN headquarters for one people, one world conference. Now this is how they're gonna they're they're gonna behead the Christians because they're not gonna want to go in. And they're not going to take the mark of the beast and they're not going to want to worship, you know, the Antichrist and these types of things. And this will be all commingled into these Noahide laws. So this will give them the right to behead Christians or anybody that rejects the Antichrist. The United Nations yoked up with all this. And the Hebrew Roots Movement as well, which I've exposed many, many times. Just key in Hebrew Roots and you'll find all the studies I've done on them. The End Times Deception.
Sorry, this video kind of moves a little bit slowly. But... Hey everybody, this is Mike with On Point Preparedness. There is an incredible deception manifesting in the body of Christ. It's not a new deception, but rather one that is very old and resurfacing rapidly as the Antichrist nears. It's a deception that Jesus and his own apostles fought against. This deception revolves around people whose consciences are seared by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, those who are self-righteous, liars, and hypocrites. They are those who say they are Jews, but are not. There are also those who say they are neither Jew nor Christian, but are quote-unquote spiritual Israel, and are a part of this Hebrew roots movement. They state Christians must be obedient to Christ by obeying the old Mosaic law or Torah. Both of these false Jews and Hebrew roots converts seek to plunder the freedoms and liberties of Christians. And I hope to show you shocking evidence and prophetic scripture for why this is. Now, before we look at some of the recent events on the world stage, two important things need to be said. Number one, this video is not anti-Israel or anti-Jew. Jews who refuse to hear the gospel and those in the Hebrew Roots movement are indeed enemies to the gospel. However, regarding the Jews, Romans 11 states that they are beloved because of their forefathers and are against us because God has caused a partial hardening to come upon them until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Number two, anyone that's new to this channel who seeks to understand why Hebrew Roots is heretical and leads to spiritual death you have a playlist of all my videos in the description box giving scriptural and parable references. We won't be going over these again in detail, rather the focus of this film is to show how Hebrew roots, Jews, Muslims, and the world are being steadily guided into an antichrist law, which is potentially going to be based off of the Noahide laws. Now, with regards to the seven Noahide laws, you may have already heard about them in the past couple of months, simply because there has been a lot of activity or flurry around these terms. Most notably, it's being pushed by those in the Jewish Kabbalah or Jewish mysticism and the Jewish Sanhedrin. This is the legislative and judicial courts of the Jews. These are the same people that persecuted Jesus in the courts as well as the apostles. However, these Noahide laws or the system to implement them has been pushed for about the past three decades or more, at least from what we can tell. Now this snippet comes from Noahide.com. It says, To the Jewish people God gave the entire Torah teaching as their law. They therefore have a special responsibility with special commandments to be a priesthood of the world, a light unto the nations. The Bible says differently that Jesus Christ is our high priest and the saints will be a royal priesthood to him. But because the Jews are special, what about the rest of the world? What will God do for them? They state that God gave Noah and all his descendants seven commandments to obey. These seven universal laws were reaffirmed with Moses and the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, which is also known as the Oral Torah or Talmud, establishing modern observance of these laws goes on to say these seven commandments actually represent seven categories of hundreds of specific laws for non-Jews. Just like the Torah is 613 laws 
then they apply the oral traditions, the oral Talmud on top of that, which has thousands and thousands of other instructions. But the key thing to note here is although you can deduce where the Noahide laws come from in terms of some coming from the Torah or the Ten Commandments, you won't actually find any reference in the Bible saying the Noahide laws. It's not going to list them out. Again, this comes from the oral traditions of the rabbis, the thing that Jesus criticized himself, the Talmud. And the ones who actually interpret the application of these laws is the Sanhedrin or the Jews themselves. So here you can see the seven categories of the laws. And at first glance, you'll see that, hey, they actually sound pretty reasonable. Don't deny God, don't blaspheme God, don't murder, don't steal, things like that. A lot of them sounding like the Ten Commandments. But again, you have to remember who's going to be doing the interpretation of this. It's going to be the Sanhedrin, the Jews themselves. And as we've seen in a lot of those prior videos, this is all going to be inspired by the Antichrist when their Messiah comes through. Not just the Jews, but remember, the Jews are expecting a Messiah. The Muslims are actually expecting their Messiah, the Mahdi. There's this tri-faith initiative trying to merge Muslims and Judaism and Christianity all together, saying that we have a father in Abraham that's probably going to be part of this deceit. But again, since this is going to be Antichrist-inspired, you have to understand, looking at the first commandment, don't deny God, you'll see in future clips within this video, there are very prominent rabbis of the Temple Institute that are saying that if you do not believe in the God of Judaism, then you will be sentenced to death. Basically, if you support Christianity, if you support Islam, if you support Hinduism, Buddhism, you'll be put to death. You have to observe their God, which will be their Messiah, the Antichrist. I had said that the framework for these Noahide laws has been being built for the past several decades. You can see here from IsraeliNationalNews.com, there are also Noahide groups and communities all throughout the world. Significantly in 1991, President George H.W. Bush signed into law a historic resolution of both houses of Congress recognizing the seven Noahide laws as the bedrock of society from the dawn of civilization. In 2013, the UN also had a historic documentation supporting the seven Noahide laws. Again, this is from UN.org. You can see towards the bottom here, Rabbi Yaakov Kohen, head of the Institute of the Noahide Code, which sponsored this conference, said, On this day, people from all over the world gathered on behalf of the laws of Noah. Their observance is required so that the vision of the United Nations to have a settled and civilized world filled with the economic justice and righteousness will prevail. Just a couple years earlier, in 2007, you have this document from the Vatican, Commission for Religious Relations with the Jews, the Delegation of the Holy See's Commission for Religious Relations with the Jews. They state that Jewish tradition emphasizes the Noahide Covenant as containing the universal moral code which is incumbent on all humanity. This idea is reflected in Christian scripture in the book of Acts. Now, you know that I've covered the Vatican a lot, and it is my firm belief that the elite in the Vatican and the Pope are somewhat like the John the Baptist of the Antichrist, and they are one and the same with the elite Zionists. And there is, in fact, a lot of evidence that the Vatican has wanted to control Jerusalem for quite some time. So all these things play together. 
Um, moving forward a little bit in time, we have our own President Trump being called on by the Sanhedrin to uphold the seven Noahide laws. This is from BreakingIsraelNews.com. It says, in an ancient and honored Jewish custom, the nascent Sanhedrin sent a letter to the new leader of the U.S., President Donald Trump, blessing him and calling him to take the lead in restoring America and the world. The Sanhedrin also called on the new president to acknowledge and uphold the seven Noahide laws. This here is from GutQuestions.com, a familiar Christian site that many people use for research. And it says something very important, which I'm going to show you proof of towards the latter of this film. It says the Talmud, again, the oral written traditions of the rabbis, calls for the capital punishment for Gentiles who violate the Noahide laws. And this has led some to debate as to whether or not Christians who worship Jesus Christ are guilty of violating the first Noahide law and therefore deserving of the death penalty. (laughs) This is a real risk. And so Mm -hmm. you start to see how this is all starting to form together. Now, if you think these Noahide laws are just some... This will be the beheading under Antichrist and false prophet for those that do not take the mark of the beast. And the Talmud is is so blasphemous, especially the Babylonian Talmud, says such blasphemous things about Jesus, I can't even really repeat them. I am going to... I've done whole teachings on this, but I'll probably rehash some of these verses again. But Ken Talmud in the keyword search box at uh, contendingfortruth.com, and you'll see some of what I've covered on this subject. Now, internet conspiracy. I want to show you some ground-level documentation that David from Round Saturn's Eye had collected when he was visiting David's tomb. Check out this letter. It says, We are Orthodox Torah-observant Jews. We want to share with humanity the divine light that was imparted on us. <laughs> The Jewish vision of redemption is universal, and every non-Jew has the right to be illuminated. Nice word there. All you have to do is connect yourself to the eternal declaration of the Jewish people through Moses from Sinai. And what exactly does it mean? Observe the seven Noahide commandments and believe in the God of the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Later on in this note, it actually outright talks about Jesus as a type of anti-Messiah. So as I've mentioned, but see, their God of the Old Testament is false because you know the Bible is is uniform, and all things were made by Him, Jesus, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit existed just as much in the old as they did in the new, but they're so warped in their thinking, and because they've rejected their their savior jesus christ and said give us barabbas the murderer let his blood be upon us and our children blindness in part has happened to israel like the bible says in the new testament until the fullness of the gentiles come in so collectively they've been blinded and this is why they still to this day can't see but there's going to come a day uh, during the tribulation in particular when you know they're going to get their eyes open at least a third of them as you've seen, these Noahide documents have spanned about three decades, but it really is, in fact, spreading at a rapid pace just within the last couple months and years. I just want to share a short clip from Stephen and Jana. They are from Israeli News Live. They are both of Jewish descent, and they're very thorough researchers. You can see here that they both 
are very vocal about the dangers of the Noahide laws and how this relates to the potential beheadings, or the prophetic beheadings, rather. And yes. when we look in the book of Revelation, we see about the beheadings or their testimony that yes, they held, exactly. etc. That's so. one of the verses that is on our mind, that there will be beheadings. And everybody thought before, oh, it's by Sharia law, it's Muslims are going to do it, remember? Yeah. It's all Muslims are doing this. But no, it seems like, you know, of course there is a radical part of, of, of uh, Islamic faith, but it seems like Muslims have become the scapegoat for Zionists and for Orthodox Jews because they are the ones who are actually preparing beheadings. It's the Jewish people. And who, who was enemy of Yeshua? His own people. Now, this is a good place to show how this Hebrew Roots movement ties into the Noahide laws. Now, for one, I think we all need to understand the Old Testament. We do need to understand the quote-unquote Hebrew roots. We can't fully appreciate the New Testament without understanding the Old. But we don't want to go back to the Old. The Hebrew roots, deception, Torah observance, saying that we're going to walk like Jesus and follow the Torah like him, that he's pleased with us when we follow the Torah, that is a false gospel and it leads to spiritual death. But not only that, you're going to see at least two to three prominent rabbis in this film and how they are commending those in the Hebrew Roots movement and loving the fact that they are following the Torah and they want them to become Noahides or convert to Judaism. And so just with the timing of this Hebrew Roots thing, it's, it's a very recent movement and it's spreading like wildfire and you have these... Noahide commandments starting to spread like wildfire. You can see exactly what is starting to materialize here. And again, if you think we're supposed to be brought under that, read the book of Galatians in the King James Bible. Now, I don't have time to do it right now because I'm going to run out of time here and this is the last part I'm doing today, but uh, it gets very specifically into warning about um, being pulled back into the law and being pulled back into that works-based law judaic type of salvation that they were trying very very hard even after jesus was resurrected to pull the christian converts back into that but galatians the book of galatians addresses that thoroughly so i wanted to share some clips of two prominent rabbis that are commending hebrew roots folks to become noahides here you have Rabbi David Bar Haim, and he is the head of Machon Shiloh. You can hear that he gets this question often about what to do with those who want to follow the Torah. Should a Gentile who feels drawn to the Torah convert to Judaism or remain a Noahide? I have often been asked this question, and I always mention uh, Remember, when they say drawn to the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, remember, that's, that's, a, that's a lie, okay? It's, it's that plus the Talmud. And then the Babylonian Talmud being the worst Talmud. And then all the other extra biblical stuff they do. And then if you stay in it deep enough and long enough, then you get into the Kabbalah. So understand that the whole Torah thing is really, to me, like uh, some kind of, it's like bait and switch really, um, as, as a way to make it sound more palatable. As to such a question, the well-known case of Rabbi Eliyahu ben Amuzar, he had a student 
a person who was very close to him, a non-Jew, who uh, very much wanted to convert to Judaism. And he, Rabbi Amuzar, Ben Amuzar, convinced him not to do so. And he said, if you become the uh, ideal type of Noahide, you will be doing a greater service to humanity than by converting to Judaism. You will be a, a living example for others to follow that it is possible and it is also necessary and correct uh, and will have a great impact on the world. The next rabbi is a pretty prominent one. His name is Ira Michelson. He writes for Jews for Judaism and he used to be a practicing Jew then left and became a Christian. He was a Messianic Christian and was a leader or pastor of a congregation for 20 years, then completely abandoned Christianity and is trying to pull as many people out of Christianity as he can and into Noahide or Judaism. Wow. He writes in this article that Hebrew Roots followers are rejected by Jews and Hebrew Christians, also known as Messianic Jews, and people don't seem to stay in the movement for very long. They end up rejecting Christianity while they learn exactly. Torah, moving instead towards Noahidism yep. Yep. or converting to some stream of Judaism. Right. Noahidism refers specifically to those non-Jews who observe the seven Noahide laws, which all of mankind can use as the basis of personal morality. Now, I have a lot of experience with this. When I was in the charismatic movement, um, I had a lot that, that a lot of the Hebrew root stuff is commingled with charismatic movement and i had friends that were i had this one friend named eric and uh you know it, it just never failed when when you had these christians that wanted to really start looking at the hebrew root stuff they got just bound up in all the law i mean next thing i know he's wearing like prayer shawls and and um doing all the stuff that that like a uh a real and then he just supposedly did family lineage and he was like i don't know if he was like 40% Jewish or whatever. And I mean, he was working for my dad and he was like showing up in full Jewish garb all of a sudden to go to work at my dad's fan company. And he was doing all this stuff, you know, to keep the law, all the stuff, you know, the, the stuff about, oh man, I forget, honestly. It's just, there's so many things and it's, it's like this big burdenous system that you go under where you're not going to just stay in one place because there's demons at play here and they're going to keep sucking you in further and further into this. And as you get sucked in further into this works-based earn your way to wherever you're trying to get to, heaven, salvation thing in this particular case, there's more works that are going to be heaped on you because of this demonic influence. And you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to keep the feast and you got to do all these things in order to assure your salvation, which is really no difference than like Catholicism and, and every other works-based religion on the planet. But it's very dangerous. And when I did, I've done so many teachings on the Hebrew Roots Movement, just came Hebrew, again, at contendingfortruth.com, at the search box, and you'll find them. And I, at the time, I took more heat on doing those teachings than any other teaching I'd ever done, by far. I had all kind of people attacking me. And I had a lot of experience with it firsthand. And I saw what it did to people. And it was like, whoa, oh, man. I mean, you talk, and they always just got so far off in left field. And then they got to the point where you couldn't even talk to them anymore. And they were just sanctimonious, 
full of pride. I'm better than you. I'm doing this and you're not. And I'm really keeping the Torah. And I'm, I got my prayer shawl. And I'm doing all this other stuff that Jews do. And I'm better. It's pride. That's what I saw. Again, if you listen to my teachings on it, though, it was a lot fresher in my mind then. And I get into a lot of the specifics. He is actually right about this. I have seen tons of people personally reject Jesus, the deity of Jesus, the fact that he is God in the flesh. And this all stems from just the progression of the Hebrew roots movement. It starts innocently enough by mm -hmm. insisting that the sacred name of Yeshua or yeah. Yahushua HaMashiach must be used. Right. And then perhaps you do some clean and unclean meats and then the festivals and then the Sabbath that you need to have preparation day. And it's from Friday at dusk to Saturday at right. dusk. Yeah, keeping the and Sabbath. then you start to find yourself surrounded by... All now, I've done separate teachings on this. Sunday versus Sabbath worship. Key in Sunday in the keyword search box. I've done the whole sacred names movement, which just can't sacred names, where, you know, the whole using Yahweh and stuff like that. I've addressed that thoroughly. Uh, Sunday worship, okay, the, the name. Oh, also the hexagram, which is the highest uh, form of Jewish witchcraft. And they put it on the flag, but I got, I did a whole study on that, just key in hexagram. So I've done a study on just about every aspect of this movement. A whole bunch of followers who then start to reject the Apostle Paul because they yes. look at his writings and yes. see that... It is seemingly against the Torah. You see a lot of people, again, ending up rejecting the deity of Christ, saying that he only came in the authority of God. Right. And it, it's just an apostate progression. He concludes by saying, We're all really excited about this regarding the surge of Hebrew roots followers embracing some form of Jewish tradition. We are seeing a groundswell. Again, all these folks in the Hebrew roots movement are looking to Jews... Mm -hmm. as the holy people of God. The who Jews have... who are blind, who crucified their Savior, okay, not somebody you want to you use to, you know, lead you to heaven, to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to lead you away. Now, I pray to God their souls be saved. And that day is coming when a third of them are. But that's into the tribulation, and um, you don't want to... <laughs> if the blind lead at the blind, they're both going to fall in a ditch. That's what the Bible says all the answers but remember it was the jews that crucified christ and persecuted all his followers trying to bring them back under the law again false jews those that are the synagogue of satan now the last rabbi that we're going to look at is probably the scariest one israel ariel he is the founder of the temple institute in jerusalem Mm -hmm. Listen to what he says about the Noahide laws and the coming killings. The, this is the this is the organization that is in charge of rebuilding the third temple. I was on their newsletter list for years. I don't know if I, if I got kicked off or what, but yeah, they're real. Beheadings for those that do not follow. <laughs> okay, so he says that therefore he is the one who commanded us to go from city to city to conquer them. And to impose seven laws throughout the world that is the job of the Messiah, among others. Their Messiah remembers the Antichrist. He does not come as the Messiah. He comes to carry out these commandments. To conquer a city, and then they follow the seven laws. To conquer Iraq, Turkey, and then we'll get Iran too. We will impose seven Noahide laws on all these places. But installing does not mean courts. Rather, it means with war. 
but just not to kill, just the opposite. I say, I call upon you in peace. If they raise the flag of surrender and say, from now on, there is no more Christianity, no more Islam, the mosques and the Christian spires and their crosses come down, from now on, we will follow the seven Noahide laws. This is the task of the Messiah, to bring the entire world to the seven Noahide laws, for real. So, this is not a matter for court hearings, it's something to carry out, plain and simple. Maybe these words are not so pleasant to hear, but this is why we have the Torah of Moses. Please. Where does the Bible say this? You have to understand, this is a real and credible threat. That the Jews are, in fact, very sure that their Messiah is coming soon. And as we read the Bible, it says the Antichrist comes first, and then Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, comes second. And so the Jews are well, at the end of the tribulation period, awaiting the Antichrist. And you have to understand that the Antichrist is going to pander to the things that the Jews favor, the Torah, the Noahide, right, and how it all fits together with the persecution of the saints. Also understand, in Islam, there are lots of Muslims talking about how there are signs that their Messiah, yep. whom they call the Mahdi, is coming as well. Which is what Maitreya from the United Nations, he calls himself Lord Maitreya. I call him Devil Betraya. That's what he claims to be. He claims he became the the uh, the fifth Buddha to the Buddhists, their awaited savior, the the Krishna to the Hindus, which is their awaited savior, the Christ to the Christians, he's going to claim to be Jesus Christ, the Messiah to the Jews, and the Mahdi, the Imam Mahdi, to the Muslims. He's that all rolled up in one package. Now, I do believe he's going to play a part in this end-time delusion. I don't know if he's actually going to be the Antichrist. I've done several studies on him. I say he's a likely candidate, but again, I'm not going to get dogmatic about it either. And a lot of Christian friends that I have that do Muslim or Islamic outreach say that there is a lot of similarities between Islam and Judaism. The reason for this is because Islam says their heritage traces back to when Abraham and the slave Hagar bore Ishmael. And then that is what Paul says are the sons of slavery that went into bondage. But then the child that came through the spirit of the promise of God between Abraham and Sarah, who was barren, and they bore Isaac, right. through that lineage we have the offspring Jesus Christ right. upon whom the saints are redeemed. But because right. you have these roots in Abraham, there are a lot of similarities between the fact that Jews and Muslims have a very law-centric behavior. Now, I'd like to conclude with some prophetic insight that I've come to over the past couple of weeks. And it deals with a verse that actually a lot of Hebrew roots people like to use to support their cause. That there is still a Sabbath that we need to follow, we still need to follow the Torah, etc., etc., it's in Matthew 24. I just want to read this for you really quickly. This is a chapter that is dealing with the end of days. Some folks think that this happened in 70 AD, but I disagree because if you look at verse 21, it says, For then there will be great tribulation, right. such as not has been from this the isn't KJV's reading from beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. So this is an end times event. 
And Jesus says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. That verse 20 is what we're going to be focusing on the most. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. So again, there is going to be this abomination of desolation event. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I believe that the well, Spirit... Well, the Bible's very clear. It's going to go when the Antichrist goes into the rebuilt third temple and he's going to proclaim himself to be God and that he is God. In the, in the holy place. He's going to do it in the holy place where the Ark of the Covenant, you know, should be sitting. And that's what the abomination of des- desolation is, or the abomination that make it desolate. The Bible is very clear on that. That's what's going to happen. But you have to have a th- rebuilt third temple. And I believe this is when the great tribulation starts. So this is probably going to be three and a half years into the seven year tribulation period when the Antichrist goes in and proclaims himself to be God in the holy place. And that's when they're going to have this great tribulation start. We'll convict all Christians of exactly what it is when it happens. There won't be any mistaking it, especially for those that are in Judea or Jerusalem. And this event happens. People are going to be convicted by the Spirit to know that the time is now. And they're going to be convicted to flee and not even go down to get anything from your house, not your cloak, You're just going to want to flee. And it's going to be very troublesome for pregnant women. We can understand why. Being pregnant, it's very difficult to travel. If you have babies and you're nursing, it's very stressful, difficult to travel. And likewise, when we look at verse 20, talking about the fact that we are to pray that our flight not be in winter or on a Sabbath, let's explore that. Just as the fact that it's hard to travel if you have an infant or you're pregnant, likewise, we can see that traveling into in the winter is very hard and difficult but then it says or on a sabbath now some christians will think that christians should be under the sabbath and then that's why it's written there that we don't want to break the sabbath requirements and flee from this persecution on that day because then there'd be a conflict of interest but scripture rebukes that because if we look at matthew 12 verse 11 and 12 when the pharisees are chastising jesus and his apostles for potentially breaking the sabbath jesus said to them which one of you who has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out oh how much more value is a man than a sheep so jesus is even saying that a sheep's life is a value on the sabbath and you would quote unquote work to save that sheep and our lives as men are much more important than that sheep and being that matthew 24 is spoken from jesus himself i'm pretty sure he's not talking about the sabbath requirements being a hindrance of your escape rather okay let me add a little to that too also he was addressing the jews that's who he was immediately addressing in matthew when he was speaking to those who were around him were jews okay and um they were When the tribulation starts, how I've heard it been been said is that the Bible says, 
blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. You have to understand, the Jews are still under Judaism, okay? They're still under the bondage of the law type of thing. Um, a lot of them are still keeping the Sabbath and these types of things. And up until that point, and, and I'm not saying they're not going to continue doing that, okay? I'm not saying that, but in the tribulation period, they're obviously going to be keeping the Sabbath. They're going to be build, rebuilding a third temple, um, but they're building it for the Antichrist, essentially. And they were trying to get this whole thing. They're going to be looking at the Antichrist as their Messiah. They're going to be looking, and then he's going to commit the abomination of desolation. They're going to be keeping the Sabbath, though. And this is primarily he was addressing the Jews here. Okay, the emphasis is going to be going more back to the Jews from a salvation standpoint during the tribulation. Because remember, blindness in part has happened to Israel when until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Most likely the fullness of the Gentiles is going to be right around when the tribulation starts. And I'm not saying that means that Gentiles can't get saved during the tribulation, but I think the emphasis is going to start to more go back to the Jews during that seven-year tribulation. And the Bible bears that out in Zechariah when it says that I'm going to, two-thirds of you are going to perish, but a third of you I'm going to try silver that's tried in a, basically a furnace of earth. And I'm going to purify you with silver and you're going to come through it and you're going to look upon the one whom you've pierced as one that mourns his only begotten son. They're going to finally realize they crucified their savior, Jesus Christ. So I, I just wanted to throw that in because I, I think it's important to have full clarification on that. Christians, and I can say this categorically in my walk in faith and being strengthened, are not under the Old Testament Sabbath. It was a type and shadow which represents that Jesus right. is our Sabbath. If you right. don't believe me, you can go ahead and read. Please see my teaching on Sunday versus Sabbath worship. I get into every all the Bible verses regarding it. Hebrews 4, where it talks about the seventh day being a day in the future where we find rest in him mm -hmm. just as he rested from his works so we rest from ours in christ jesus and so christians are not under the old testament sabbath carrying with it all the works of the flesh right. such as preparation and not being able to travel and not being able to do work and not being able to carry sticks rather we should be setting aside a day or days of reverence to the lord as we esteem for as Romans 14.5 says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So why would Jesus lump the Sabbath in with these three other incidents that make it very difficult to travel? Well, let's just go back to Matthew 12 and see what type of issues Jesus and his apostles had to deal with on the Sabbath. In Matthew 12, it says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, well, Now it says cornfields, but, you know. Disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, if you look at the Sabbath requirements and breaking the Sabbath, the punishment can actually lead to death. And so you had these... Judaizers that were watching their every move mm -hmm. and were wanting to throw them into prison or kill them for breaking the Sabbath. And so imagine now in the end times that if there is an abomination of desolation event, that there's an antichrist that takes seat, 
and is going to persecute Christians, if there is a Sabbath that is taken hold of by the Antichrist, perhaps the Antichrist claims the Sabbath itself, which is from Friday at dusk to Saturday at dusk, that's what the Jews participate in, that's what Hebrew roots participate in, the Muslims, they celebrate quote-unquote Sabbath on Friday at noon, but still very close and same ideologies. If the Antichrist claims a day of worship for himself, and it is on the Sabbath, we can see how Judaizers can come back and start to persecute Christians if we are trying to flee on that Sabbath day, that they will try to behead us for doing things not lawful on the Sabbath. Now, this all might seem plausible to you, but still a little bit crazy. Maybe, maybe you're not just really caught on this hook, line, and sinker. Well, let's just listen back to that very prominent rabbi, the founder of the Temple Institute, Israel Ariel, and see that he claims this very thing that I'm talking about. Therefore, Maimonides says that if you see a person in the street who does not follow the seven laws... muting the sound out this says we have we might have to kill him so you don't follow the seven no had laws you got to kill him Maimonides was uh, commonly known and referred to as Ram Rambam was a medieval Sephardic Jewish philosopher who became one of the most prolific and influential Torah scholars of the Middle Ages at the time he was also a preeminent astronomer and physician Again, if you're trying to escape on the street and this person is breaking the seven Noahide commandments or the categories and Sabbath is one of them and you have the willpower to kill that person, you are to kill them. That is what he's saying. And he's saying that this stems from the great Jewish philosopher Maimonides. Maimonides. This was a very medieval, Shephardic Jewish philosopher who became the most prolific and Maimonides. And so this Matthew 24 prophecy about praying that your travels not be on winter or on the Sabbath, specifically the Sabbath portion, it's starting to really look like that there is going to see, be some type of antichrist law where the Sabbath is in effect. And just as right. Jesus and his apostles were persecuted right. and being watched for what they did on the Sabbath, so too Christians will be watched. Right especially if it's on this quote-unquote Sabbath day for the Antichrist. Again, there's and so the Seventh-day Adventists believe literally and teach that Sunday worship is literally taking the mark of the beast. That's how deceived Seventh-day Adventists are, who also Sabbath keepers. Okay, So they say Sunday worship is the literal taking the mark of the beast. I've, I've dealt with it many times. Uh, again, key, if you key, hear my, my teaching on Sunday versus Sabbath, I've got uh, more than one file on Seventh-day Adventists as well. But um, there, there's other religions, in, in other words, that are already geared up and ready to accept this. Lots and lots of puzzle pieces here, especially when you see the Middle East peace plan coming together with Kushner, who is a Jew, mm -hmm. and Ivanka Trump, who converted to Jew. Judaism. Mm -hmm. um, there is just a lot of the elite Zionist schemes going on here, and you can see how this leads to their Messiah, the Antichrist.
I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to come. Which is something I need to cover. I am so far over on time. I hope I can even upload this one. So God bless you, and we will see you in the next audio teaching, Lord willing. Thank you.